you just you just said hearing someone that can pray well. I was just thinking as we finished up praying, this is the third time that we've been in prayer today. Just you know, before we left on the bikes, and then I guess fourth because before lunch, after dinner, and and all that. So it's just tons of prayer through the day and. I, I used to always be like, you know, wake up in the morning, you pray, and then pray before bed, and that's, and now I'm just like, going through the day, and just talking to God, and just, the prayer's just constant, and I'm that's more confident in my prayer, and yeah, makes a big difference. And it's like, it goosebumps. Yeah. And it's like a whole, like the first one when there was all of us this morning, you know, it's just, I so wish there was just a picture to capture it, just to like, be like, oh, I remember that good prayer. <laughs> I, I think it's some of uh, an example of what it's going to be like when we enter in heaven, you know, that's what the Lord talks about, you know, that heaven on earth, it's the, the Lord's prayer. And I think that is some of what we get to experience when we're around other believers and you get that, that feeling, yeah. you know, and it's so, like, this is, this is just a smidget of what we get to have in heaven mm-hmm. and we're going to have to get to have that conversation face to face that's yeah. what's awesome yeah looking forward to it yeah amen <laughs> cool well everybody welcome back to the almost home podcast i'm your host jared stonequist um joined again by my lovely wife jennifer hello and today <laughs> our guest is the man the myth the legend <laughs> my good friend poncho Poncho? What's, what's happening? How are you? <laughs> Poncho's joined us today after we did a church crash this morning. We had lunch, and now we're back here ready to record, so we're all ready to go. Um, Poncho, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to start with? Um, I'm, a, I'm a lifer for the state of Kansas. Uh, grew up in Wyandotte County, so those of you out there from the dot, what's up? Um... My dad tried to move us to Missouri for a short time. It didn't work. Maybe we'll get into that story later. But uh, been here all my life, uh, half Mexican, half white. Um, got a whole clan full of kids. There's a his, a hers, and an ours. The total's eleven. Uh, so I always joke around. If you don't like where you live, and just repopulate. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's I guess in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. What are your me. ages? Of kids, um, do you know? <laughs> Off the top well, it's of gonna head. be kind of odd, yeah. Uh, they're on my own, actually. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not kidding. They are on my yeah. own. But um, from the youngest, soon to be 21 in December, to my oldest is 40. Yeah. Yeah, my my oldest daughter. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of strange whenever my grandson was older than my son. But anyhow, we won't go into that story. <laughs> so, yeah. That's okay quite a stretch there yeah um so we start off with the three icebreaker questions and first question for you the you put a lot of miles on motorcycles absolutely uh, you've been doing this for a long time what is the best ride that you've been on that you would suggest for others just say man you've got to go do this this is one that you got to take your wife or go by yourself take your friends whatever it is this is the ride you need to do Oh, man, that's a loaded question because I just last year did the Hokahe, and I know that's not a ride for everybody, but uh, man, I almost have to say that ride simply because you cannot not go on that ride without finding out who you are and who you are not. Um, saw a lot of the beautiful country that we live in, like 21, 22 states in 11 days, but uh, 
yeah, I guess if there was a ride to be named the Hokahe, um, just because you'll find out stuff about yourself that you didn't realize. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Hokahe's, that is something I'd, I'd like to do, and we'll get into that story, I'm sure, in okay. a little bit yeah. where we explain more about what the Hokahe is and, and stuff, but and how awesome it is that you, were, that you did that. Uh, number two. If you could have dinner with any historical person, living or dead, or celebrity or whatever, and we're taking Jesus out, oh, but man. Any, anyone, anyone else, okay. who would that person be? Any historical person? It could be historical, it could be celebrity, it could be just someone from your past, it could be whoever it is you want to just sit down and have dinner with tonight. Wasn't expecting that question. It would be Danny Patterson. Because um, that's the person that planted a seed in my life in high school and uh, stuck by me the whole time I was doing stupid. And I know I'll get to see him again, but. Uh, yeah, that's probably the person I'd like to have a conversation with is just uh, Danny, which I know I'll see him again, but I guess just from the, this time frame is to tell him thanks for what he did way back when. Okay. I've heard you mention that name a not lot, so I'm sure we're going to hear it again. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And number three, what is your favorite scripture? Favorite scripture? Yep. Man, I've had a whole bunch of them from, uh, there's one that resounds now that um, I guess is my life verse, but I, I, I like Galatians 2.20, um, which that's not my life one, but Galatians 2.20 is that, uh, you know, it it actually says that um, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But my my scripture that I, I live now is actually on my helmet is Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. And... Uh, that follows up right behind putting on the armor of God. And that scripture, um, it says, pray for me also that when I speak, words will be given to me that I might boldly, that I might boldly explain the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador. Pray that I might speak boldly as I should. And, uh, you know, whenever I read that, um, I heard Paul's heart, that's who, you know, Apostle Paul wrote that, and that's uh, that speaks loud and clear to me. And hopefully, the people that know me now enough know that uh, God has answered that prayer. That um, I have a boldness about me that's not me; it's just boldness of who lives in me. Awesome. So, yeah, I like that. very cool. Um, so from here, we just let you. We just let you go. Start where you want to start, and and tell us about. Your life before Christ and and finding Christ and where He's led you now. Um, okay, I'll start a little bit in the long away past when I was a kid because a lot of people, uh, my wife, uh, of course, is one of the first ones that everybody you know knows me as Pancho and I'm Mexican, but I I don't look Mexican because I'm too tall. I don't have all the normal features. And, you know, if you hear my real name, you know, it's not a Mexican name. And so everybody's like, well, how'd you get that? And, um, 
So to go backwards is like as I like I said, you know, my my mom was a full-blooded Mexican, my dad was a redneck white boy, and uh, that's how it came about. Um, my grandma and grandpa Hernandez had the typical uh, Mexican family where they had a prearranged wedding, and uh, my grandma did not quit having kids until there were 22 of them. Um, 20 survived, and so. Um, Whenever I come along, I was not the first Frank, which that's my, my given name. And so my uncle Frank, which was one of four or five of my uncles, um, thought it would be hilarious to nickname me Pancho Villa. And it stuck. So anytime I'm around my mom's side of the family, that's what everybody calls me, Pancho. So um, fast forward a few years, uh, my dad is madly in love with the Mexican culture and my mom and he decides uh, my, my grandparents uh, grew up farming up in uh, northwest Missouri by Savannah St. Joe area and so he was going to move us up there so we left Kansas City Kansas went up to St. Joe Missouri and uh, I'm sorry Savannah Missouri and um, started building the foundation of a house and uh, in that part of the country if he wasn't white he wasn't right so uh, it was hard for a long time um, a little older than the two of you, uh, just turned 61, and so up there in that time, um, they would not wait on my mom, uh, wouldn't serve her in the grocery stores, wouldn't wait on her in the restaurants. They tried to pull my fifth sister's fingernails off with a pair of pliers on the school bus, and <sighs> if you look close enough at my face, you'll see a bunch of scars, and it's because I got beat on a regular basis, and so my dad's like, yeah, this ain't happening. So he moved us back to Wyandotte County, and for the first few years of my life, I remember, you know, back then there was no cell phones. And so my dad would call from the uh, corner store and tell my mom, he's like, all right, we're coming by. He'd drive all the way up there um, to Savannah, get my grandparents, drive down. We'd stand in the front yard. They would drive by. We'd wave at them. And they would turn around to go back the other direction. We'd wave at them again. Then he'd drive them all the way back up there. Because forever, um, my mom didn't want them in, you know, in our house because of all the, the hurt and the hate. And uh, that story was also a, a picture as I look backwards though, because my mom ended up taking care of my grandpa, my grandpa Nicholson, um, whenever he was dying and passing away. And uh, so yeah, finally it got to the point where we could do holidays together and everything. But for the longest, um, that was my childhood is realizing that I was different. I didn't fit in with the white kids and I didn't fit in with the Mexican kids. And so growing up, I didn't want to be known as being a Mexican. Um, I learned enough language uh, to cuss somebody out, start trouble, but I didn't want to be known as Mexican. My dad used to go to the football games and every couple years that I played and scream, go Pancho. And it just, it just, I hated it because I didn't want to be known as a Mexican. Um, now I'm proud of my heritage. I know that God's got a plan and all of that. But uh, yeah, that's uh, how I grew up, getting beat for a regular uh, joy of somebody else until I was probably in middle school. Grew up as a Catholic, you know, because Catholics and Mexicans, you know, that goes hand in hand. Got to have one or the other. But my uh, my early experience of, of church, um, I went to Catholic school, um, Christ the King over in Kansas City, Kansas. And uh, that's all I knew. And then on the holidays, you know, we were, I guess you would say, priesters. 
Christmas and Easter, you know, we'd always there. And I look backwards at that, and I can remember my mom's side of the family. Uh, we always go to midnight mass, and midnight mass, at least in the this Hernandez household, man, it was party on Garth. You know, it was like wide open party. Everybody's just drunker than a skunk, and I one of the. I don't know if this happens for everybody, but there's certain things in our childhood that we just latch onto, and they're permanent memories. And I remember looking over and seeing, actually, it was my uncle Frank who nicknamed me Poncho, and seeing him so drunk that he's, you know, going to get on the kneeler and about hit his head on the pew in front of him, you know. And I'm like, wow, you know, we're in church, and uh, as soon as we get done with midnight mass, we go home, and it's, you know, back on the porch, same game. Everybody just partied. Um, so church didn't really mean a whole lot back then because it wasn't really anything real. Were we on church on a regular basis? Yeah. Um, did I get anything from it? No. Um, and so <laughs> being in a Catholic school didn't change any of the, um, the comments, the fights. Um, it was just nonstop, half breed, wet back, spick. You know, I've, I've heard it all. And uh, I was just that guy that just took it until I remember this guy's name, and I won't say his name in this case he's listening, but I remember him uh, pushing me down for the last time. And I was like, you know what? I will get my face stomped in before I ever take another beat. And I come up swinging, broke my finger on his face, broke his face, and from then it was like all of this anger came out. And... Uh, went eight years of Catholicism and then my junior year, not junior, ninth grade I guess it would be, um, I went to Eisenhower over in Kansas City, Kansas. And uh, so that was a whole nother culture because now I'm in a secular school and I had an attitude and so got around the wrong people and my attitude fit with the wrong people and so now I'm drinking, drugging and uh, you can fast forward all the way up into my high school years. I've done it all, smoked it, drank it, chewed it, snorted it. Um, I, I've tried it all. And so I'm no different than anybody else, I guess. I was just a sinner back then, uh, just a sinner now, just saved by grace, but um, God had a plan and all of that. So uh, that takes us to about high school time frame. And uh, yeah. So, I still. Yeah, when uh, when you said you you finally got up and, and fought back, what that was like uh, junior high, middle school. That was that was eighth grade when yeah. that whole started, and I just it is it just became this honestly this monster um, that I, I I realized that a lot of guys are taught a tough talking, but they're not when it comes to walking. And um, so I just would rather take a beat and then I would get beat and I didn't care who it was. I would just like do it. And um, I don't, I don't want to glorify it, but I know God had a plan and all that and he's using it now in my life. And that is that um, the pain that I took was a fuel and it just, somebody couldn't hurt me enough. It just fueled the fire. And the reason I say that God uses that now is it's given me a boldness to go where I go and do what I do. And, uh, you know, I sold myself out for a lot of things uh, that, that as I look back in my life, you know, being alive 61 years, that account for nothing. And so 
I'm sold out for Jesus now, and uh, I took a beating for me and my stupidity. I'll take a beating for Christ. Um, I'll go where he tells me to go, do what he tells me to do, and say what he tells me to say, and I don't care who he puts me in front of. Um, so I, that's why I say that he's used that now. When I finally uh, quit fearing the beating and I just, I don't know, all you that anger. It. All that, yeah, I embraced it. I enjoyed it. I loved it. And uh, if you hurt me, just feel the fire. And now I just have that fuel for Jesus that I just want to share him everywhere I go. So. So you graduated uh, Eisenhower? That was ninth grade. Uh, Eisenhower went uh, the rest of my high school years to Washington High School. So those of you dot people out there, go Wildcats. Um, <laughs> graduated in 1980, um, about midway of my high school years. I had a couple friends in my life that uh, um, made a huge impact for me. One of them specifically was Danny Patterson. You know, we talked a little bit about that a few minutes ago, and uh, Danny was my first example or picture of Christ. Um, he was a Christian, and I didn't know what a Christian was because I grew up Catholic, and um, I got around the wrong people, doing drugs, selling drugs, going out, doing stupid, collecting for drugs, and uh, Danny and I hit it off, and we had a had a love uh, that was common, and that was motorcycles. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I started in the dirt in 1976 and went on the street in 1980 when I graduated. I got my, my first bike, first street bike. And uh, Danny uh, ride, would ride his brother's bike, uh, which was a, was a Harley. And uh, so we just had this, this connection and Danny never would judge me, he'd always love me, he'd try to point me in the right direction, and um, he just, he made a huge impact. I hadn't been around anybody like him before. And so, graduated high school, um, and the year after we graduated, uh, Danny Patterson died. He and his brother both, his brother was uh, going to become a pastor, and they worked for the same roofing company, and his brother, I'm sorry, Danny was running the boom, his brother was down below, and Danny got the boom too close to the power lines over in KCK, and it killed him instantly. Um, and then there was two guys that got electrified and stuck to the bed of the truck, and Danny's brother come along and got them off, but when he did, it grounded, a, the electricity grounded itself in him and it killed both boys. And so, you know, when I was growing up going to funerals, as we all have to attend at times, um, Catholic funerals, if you've ever been to one, is completely different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, you want to talk about vain, repetitious prayers that it talks about in the Bible, that's vain and repetitious prayers. Hail Mary, Mother God, over and over mm -hmm. and over, you know. And so when I went to Danny's funeral, um, I was wide open in, in the world, just doing stupid, living stupid, um, was married uh, to my first wife, and, and I'll just clarify that, those of you that are listening, um, I've been married three times, but this is my only godly marriage, and there's a difference in that, and I'm sure we'll get into that eventually. Um, I've been blessed by the children, by the two marriages previously, but uh, the woman I'm married to now, which is Sherry Lynn, is my only godly marriage, and now I know what a marriage is supposed to be like. 
Um, so, back to the story. I show up at Danny's funeral, um, and there's a huge line. I've never seen a procession this long before. We get uh, down off of uh, 18th and, and Central. There's a funeral home down there. I went down there to the funeral and walked in, and uh, there's just you know, the line was so long. But what blew me away is when I got inside. You know, of course, the mom was just bawling her eyes out. She lost two of her boys in the same day, but she had four boys, if I remember correctly. And I walked in, and, the, and I was met by the two brothers. And uh, they were encouraging me. And I, I've been to my grandparents' funeral by this time. I've been to some other friends' funerals. Uh, but this one hit me. And it was the first funeral I remember crying at. And I just didn't understand. And I was crying my eyes out. And uh, got in there and the two brothers you know, were saying, don't worry, it's okay. And he's, he's in a better place. And we're going to get to see him again. And I'm like, man, these guys are smoking what I've been selling. They are high there's something wrong with them and what I didn't realize now is that they're <laughs> they knew the truth right and so I uh, we were expecting at that time and I said you know if this is a boy when it's when it's born I'm gonna name whew, I'm gonna name my son after him that's how much of an impact he made so it wasn't it was a girl <laughs> <laughs> So we named her Stephanie, um, and then uh, not too long later, we had a son, and that was Danny. And so my oldest son, Danny, is named after Danny Patterson because of the impact that he had on my life. And he's the one that planted the seed um, that I didn't even know was planted. And I didn't realize that until years later. Um, we can fast forward, first wife, bought our house over off of uh, 51st and Leavenworth Road. And uh, Stephanie's my daughter. I'm working nights at the truck stop at 18th and I-70, which is no longer there. And uh, so I raised my daughter, uh, my wife and I did at the time, but I got to spend a lot of time with her. It was just me and her because I, you know, was working nights and so my, my wife was working days. And so we never had to really have a babysitter because one of us was always home. But I was still, doing stupid and you know living a life outside of the house and that life was um I, I, so i've been in the trucking industry all my life you know where they're turning wrenches managing shops uh for a short period driving a truck um so that being said i still had a whole other life outside of the house and uh that was being at the quote-unquote gentleman bars um when i shouldn't be out doing drugs, selling drugs, and um, yeah. So I, I, don't want, I don't want to glorify any of that, but that all gave me, it gave me a connection with a community, the motorcycle community, that uh, God again has used. Um, so as it would be one summer, um, living over off of 51st and Leavenworth Road, there was this little church called Welburn Baptist Church. And uh, happened to be driving by it one day, and I saw something that said Vacation Bible School. Well, to a Catholic, that's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I read the sign, and I'm like, hmm. And I figured out what it was. I was like, so you're going to watch my kid for a week while I go out and do whatever I need to do? I'm in. So I took my daughter to Welburn Baptist Church. She went to Vacation Bible School, and I was out selling drugs, doing stupid, and living in a world. Um, went back at the end of the week and but 
pastor actually said, hey man, we got a family night, would you like to come be part of it? And I was like, man, you know, I guess since you watched my kid all week, I can do that. So I showed up at uh, um, this family night from Vacation Bible School, and uh, I still remember the guy's name. It was Phil Parker, lived in Parkville, Missouri, on Park Street. <laughs> and uh, it was another opportunity that God used somebody and put him in my life. Uh, for one, he loved motorcycles. Uh, he was a gearhead like I was. And um, two, it was the first example of what a true believer was like. And uh, so I went to this vacation Bible school, and uh, he started off with something like, yeah, my name's Phil Parker, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I about fell out of my chair, because you never hear a priest say that. You know, I, that's why I never did click with the Catholic religion, is because there's always somebody up there preaching at me that doesn't live a life that I've lived and can't understand what I've gone through, because they live this holy, quote-unquote, holier-than-thou life, mm -hmm. which we all know is not true. And so we connected, um, but the first night there, I remember, as he is given a message, um, even though it's vacation Bible school, he, uh, he pissed me off. Um, and I thought, I'm going to find out who's been narking on me, and I'm going to pound their face, and I'm going to pound this pastor's face, because somebody's been squealing. And it was nobody squealing, it was the Holy Spirit that was convicting me of my life and using this guy. And so I thought I was going to go back and uh, try to figure out who the weak spot was. And uh, man, I just, every time I went back, it was just conviction after conviction. This guy was just speaking directly to me. And um, I remember that. I remember the day, I remember the song, there's, there's this Baptist song that says, with that one dark blot, you know, he says this to come to him, you know, with that one, and I had a sin I was carrying around in my life that uh, even though I was living in a world and doing stupid, I wasn't okay with this one sin that I was carrying around. And man, when they sang that song and the message that he gave, it just like a punch in the gut. And um, that's when church was church and actually still did altar calls and I got, uh, I just got convicted and I, before I know it, I'm walking down the aisle and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And got down there and gave my life to Christ. Um, I think at that part, now that I look backwards though, is uh, I didn't give him all of me. I gave him part of me. And, you know, it tells us, it tells us in the book of Hebrews, you know, especially in the fourth chapter, is that the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce division between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that being said, God already knew the intent of my heart, and even though I didn't give it all to him, he knew eventually where I would be. And... Um, so I wish I could say that uh, all was peaches and cream for there and I lived the Christian life and I didn't. I uh, had one foot in, one foot out. Um, as I said, this is my third marriage, my only godly marriage. That, that, that marriage ended um, and it was on me, my infidelity. And um, I just had a whole lot going on that didn't go right. And uh, so I thought for a while that I had lost my salvation because of, you know, the sins that I had committed. Um, married a person that I actually <clears throat> committed adultery with. And uh, 
got beautiful children from that, but um, it was a marriage that God didn't plan. Um, and I don't know that she would have continued to bless it. Um, so I won't go into all the dirt of that. There was problems on both sides of the fence, meaning her and me, and we ended up divorcing. Um, there was a lot of dark time going through that part of my life. Um, even to the point, standing in a standing in a field in Spring Hill with a 38. With a 38 in my mouth. So I shouldn't live anymore. I figured I'd screwed up so bad that uh, that couldn't be fixed. And uh, When that marriage came to an end, you know, I was looking for telephone poles. I just, I was going to figure a way out. Um, and I had a good friend of mine, Rick Silvers, uh, who I call cow trash. That's a whole nother story, but um, <laughs> spoke into my life, you know, and the, the, the time that he spoke into my life um, was about my kids. And I was like, okay, I can do this for my kids. And so uh, I stuck it out and kept going. Um, and in the midst of all of that, all this time of whenever I walked that aisle years ago in Welburn uh, Baptist Church to going through a couple marriages, I was always trying to fill the void. Um, when I was younger, um, I filled it with all of that hate that had been poured out on me. I poured it out on others. I had a you know a fuse the the size of a match and I had a temper the size of Texas, you know, it just, I, I was going to make everybody pay for what I went through. And, uh, so I got rid of the anger for the most part. So then I tried to fill it with the gym and I become a gym rat and I lived in the gym and that was part of, you know, my issues. I was all about me. And so I lived in the gym, had to be part of the 400 club, you know, have the 400 pound bench and all of that stuff. And so I just, I lived in the gym and, um, and then it become a career, and I filled it with my career for this major trucking company. You know, 22 years, and um, I didn't realize all along the way, you know, that God was still there. I look backwards now, and He'd always been there for me. But when I say, like I, what I said earlier, is that I gave Him part of me, but I didn't give Him all of me. And uh, I always tried to fill that other piece with stuff, whether it was, and I, and I, and honestly, I still remember getting high and uh, having a conversation with God, you know, you do this for me and I'll do that. And, you know, and trying to make deals back then. It's just crazy. I look backwards at it. Um, but I was always trying to fill this void, whether it was the gym or whether it was, so how, that was, that was the pride, how I looked to um, the, the career of who I was. I became a, a VP for this company. And so I had this, you know, legit corner glass office um, making, stupid money and uh, still had pride um, and then after that um, that second failed marriage um, 
there come a spot where I was, uh, you know, doing all the, the dating scenes on match and all of that stuff. And that has become such a hookup site. And there was a point in my life, I was living down in Beagle, um, and I realized that I don't want to do this anymore. And, uh, I remember having a conversation with God. And confessing all of my wrongs that I didn't want to own. And, uh, and I literally had told the Lord that I was like, you know what? I'm okay if it's just me and you. If I never have another woman in my life and it's just me and you, I'm good. And it was at that point that I literally said, you got it all. And, uh, I mean, I backtracked it just a little bit. I, said it, but I don't know that I actually meant it, and I'll, I'll come back to that. As I say in our Bible study, I'm going to load that one in the chamber, spin it, and I'll fire it later. Yeah. Um, I said that, but I, I, I meant it in the fact that I was done chasing women. I was done. I couldn't find somebody. You know, I, I had two failed marriages, and um, I know that I was uh, part of that in both situations. Marriage is a two-way street, so it, it's always both parties' faults. Sometimes it's more the other than, than one, but um, so I just uh, said, Lord, um, I'm good if it's just you and me. My dad was living with me at that time. My mom has already passed. Um, got a, a strained relationship with all of my kids, and I'm already off of one of the dating websites, and I get a message I canceled my subscription from this woman and I look at it um, which is my current wife Sherry and she had already gotten off of this dating site and she not we, we didn't know it at the time but she had also said the same thing at her point um, she had had two failed marriages and she had come to the point the end of herself and she said you know what if it's just you and me, God, I'm okay. So she had the same conversation with the Lord that I had about the same time. We uh, were both morning people. She sent me a message says, hey, I'm already off this site. I don't know how I got your profile. Um, here's my number if you want, give me a call. And I mean, minutes later, like literally minutes later, it comes to your email, um, said, I don't normally do that. I don't know why I did, sorry, I'm just not on this website. And I was like, cool. I was like, I'm go to dinner tonight. So we went to dinner that night and we've been together ever since. Um, so that kind of fast forwards us into a time now where, you know, I've got this career still for this major trucking company. I'm 22 years in. And uh, like I said earlier, I come to a point where I said I'd given all to God, but I, I hadn't. And my walk was growing closer with the Lord and Sherry's walk was growing closer to the Lord and we started doing Bible studies in a house we bought down we bought a foreclosed home down in Lewisburg started doing Bible studies in our house and uh, you know we just our walk just got closer and closer with the Lord and doing what he was wanting us to do and uh, I worked for this this trucking company and it come a point where the president of the company had uh, asked me to do something that um, I couldn't go home and put my head on a pillow and um, I said I was making bank at this uh, 
well over double six figures. Uh, the Lord had blessed me with that. And, uh, you know, pushing towards the triple six figures. And whenever he said that, you know, that what he wanted me to do, I was like, I, I can't do that. And he said, I think you misunderstood me. You will do it. And that queued up that old poncho. And it's like, no, you misunderstood me. I won't. And he and I, I should have been fired years previously because I just, I got that, like I said, that inside of me, that fight that, you know, you, you push, I'm going to shove, um, you swing, I'm going to hit, um, that type of thing. And so when he said that, I, um, bowled up on him and, uh, I always knew how it was going to happen. I always kept a box in my office because they always let you work the week out. They fired you on Friday and it was before 10 o'clock. I made the eight o'clock meeting at nine 30, the HR lady and the president walked in my office that you've been really good. Uh, we appreciate everything you've done. Give her your credit card, give her your phone, you're done. And, uh, 22 years like that was gone and no write-ups, nothing in my, my history. You know, I'd done a lot for the company. But what I realize now is that, again, that was more of my pride. And I remember going home. I had uh, I'd come into, organi into this organization that I'm now with, this motorcycle club, this Christian motorcycle club. And um, I remember that person calling me. A bunch of people called me from, that, from this organization and um, was trying to encourage me. And I got home, and I, was, I cried the whole way home, literally just bawled. And I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I lost all this money. This could have been in this place down in Lewisburg. It, yeah, so um, I, I don't think I'm too far off the mark where I think most people in America, when you make X amount of dollars, you live accordingly to that X amount of dollars. And uh, we were kind of at that point. You know, I was making the bank, but we, we were... You know, we, we had everything going out to certain things to stay upright. And it was on a Friday, as I said, and I don't know if I said it earlier, but we started doing Bible studies in our house, and the Bible studies were on Friday. And so I walked in and cried, you know, on my wife's shoulders and um, went upstairs. And I remember, just like it's yesterday, as I walked in the room and I looked at the bed and I looked at these two chairs where my wife and I sat every morning and drank our coffee and read our scripture. And I looked at the bed and I looked at the chairs and just back and forth this whole thing. And I wanted to crawl into bed and just say, screw it all. I'm done. This is what it gets me. I'm done. And uh, I couldn't. I just looked at the chairs and I went over, got on my knees. And once again, I cried my eyes out. I was like, all right, you got it all. I don't know how this is going to work. You know what my finances are. You know what I was making. I'm all in. Wherever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. I was only off work for two days. Monday, I went back to work making $25 an hour. So I went from uh, mid-six-figure, double-six-figure job to $25 an hour. And um, that's the stuff that I want to brag on if I brag on anything is not the past because I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm just a sinner like everybody else. But since I have completely sold out and given my entire life to Christ, I have had so many God moments that is unexplainable by the natural explanations because I should not have been able to go from that kind of money to $25 an hour and still survive. And we did. 
And it wasn't just that, because in, in the course of the next nine months, okay, I felt like Job. Um, so I went from almost triple six figures to $25 an hour. And in the next nine months, I chainsaw my knee with no insurance, because we were feeding, feeding and taking firewood to the homeless over in Kansas City, Missouri. So I chainsaw my knee. Um, the transmission went on the Suburban. The engine went out on the Suburban. Water line broke in our front yard. 14,000 gallons of water spilled out front. The dryer quit, the washer quit, and the lawnmower quit. And when the lawnmower quit, my wife and I were actually, we were, we were on some acreage down in Lewisburg. We're standing out in a round pen, and uh, we had horses and all this other stuff. And when that happened, we just stood out there, and we just started laughing. It's like, all right, Satan, this all you got? You've taken it all. What else? What else you want to do? Um, but in every one of those situations, if we had enough time, God showed up and showed off. Every one of those situations, he put people in my life. And I think that's what sometimes people don't realize is that God uses other people to bless us. And that talks about that in First or Second Corinthians, that by the, 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 the God of all comfort gives us comfort. We're supposed to share that with others. You know, we're supposed to be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus. And in every one of those situations, God showed up. And... Um, we ended up selling that place after all the kids moved out. Um, you know, they we were empty nesters now. We downsized. We tried to gift as much of it as we could away. And uh, now we're, you know, living out in Gardner and uh, on a much smaller acreage, much smaller house, and in a much better place. God just uh, showed up and showed off. So Very cool. Um, so when you and, uh, Sherry got together, you know, you, you said you'd both got off the dating sites. You were both kind of in the same thing. You said the same prayer to God. Um, at this time, are you both like you're devout, you're heavy, you're strong in your faith or are you both kind of dabbling or, or she's strong in her faith and you're dabbling or vice versa? How is that like? So I, I, I think, I mean, we were both strong in our faith. Um, so God had, had um, removed a lot of the things from us over the times. I mean, I, I wasn't chasing the drugs and chasing women. And I said, I kept replacing it. Or maybe it's something I always had there um, as far as, you know, me in the gym, me in the career. And, um, you know, Sherry was at the same place that she had grown in her walk. And so we both had a had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and I think that's more important to say than anything else because a lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, well, how do you know that? Well, I go to church. Well, good for you. So how do you know that? And it's because of a, an actual relationship that we had. And um, we, we went from being a casual friend of Jesus Christ to living in the same house with Jesus Christ, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is that he had access to every part of our life. And so that's whenever we started doing the Bible studies, that's when we started saying, yeah, whatever you want, we'll, we'll, we're there. And um, so she had never walked away. She, did she live in the world for a while? Yep, absolutely did. Um, and but she had never given up on her face. She still tried to go to church, and it was kind of the same thing with me. Um, I should back up a little bit in that in that time period. I went from being that guy that was just completely walking in the world, doing completely 
stupid um, to another part which was um, almost being a legalistic um, I don't know I don't even know how I want to word it but um, I just became very rigid I did that with my kids you know I went from a full swing drug thug to you know brother better than you and I was condemning my kids and I was I wasn't loving them I was uh, beating them with the word if you if you do anything with it you know and so um, I kind of grown through that I think Sherry and her life in a and, and when I, when she was going through all that, grew through all of that as well. She looks backwards. And we both had that have had that conversation. Is there was a point in her life that um, part of the reason that her kids have got a little bit of a, a distaste for church, quote unquote, or God in, in their life is because of how she was living. You know what I mean? Being trying to beat people with the word instead of just living the word and loving people. Um, and that pushes a lot of people away from Christianity. Sure. Um, so to answer your question, okay, that was a long roundabout way, but yes, we were um, we were both in the Word. We were both our, our walk was growing together, and that's why I said what I said earlier is that um, I've been married three times, but this is my only godly marriage. It's because we both had the same focus, and that was He's enough. It's Him, and. Uh, that's huge. I, I can't stress that enough, is that whenever God is the focus, you know, there's that triangle uh, example that we have all seen. Hopefully everybody's seen it, you know, where you drew a triangle and the top point is God yeah. and the two bottom points are husband and wife and you both should be growing towards God. And if you do that, you go closer together. So, yeah. Okay. I like that. The triangle. Yeah, yeah the, the yeah. closer you get. And... Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Let's see the the family night when you went to the the vacation Bible school that Stephanie went to. Does that preacher, whoever spoke that day, does he know where you're at now after that? He does not, and honestly, I've challenged my son Danny to try to get that number for me because I'd like to look him up. Because um, the last he knew of me is that uh, I basically was stepping all over stupid you know uh, getting divorced um, had an affair uh, still living still living in a world and uh, you know I'd like him to know that he's uh, he's one of the ones that watered the seed that Danny planted and uh, God's got a harvest now in my life and and I, I would love to be able to connect with him you know so Phil Parker if you're out there um, look me up dude <laughs> Awesome. Hope hopefully this gets to him. That would be awesome. Yeah. And then we'll have you both on. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would love to be able to have a conversation with him because um, it was a connection. I saw reality. You know, as a guy that admitted his past, you know, of who he was, but I saw something different in, in who he was now, and uh, he connected with me. And I think as I look backwards, as I, I realize that's what life's about. You know, it's not trying to beat somebody with the word. It's trying to live the word, and you'll find a connection. God has got our lives preordained, you know, and, and to a point. And so we, we still get the opportunity to make a decision. But the things that we go through, he'll use if we will just allow him to do it. And uh, all of the past life that I had was 
motorcycles and doing crazy and doing stupid has given me a connection with the ministry that has now put me in and uh, I'm able to connect with these guys and I'm just I am who I am you know so yeah getting being able to live or or living that life living the the righteous life um, you never know who where you could be watering someone else's seed even if you didn't plant it just living right and and speaking the word and living the word could be just that last bit that someone needs to to change their life and to save their soul and it's Amen. so important to just keep watering planting and keep creating more disciples yeah I mean uh, Danny Patterson passed away before he ever saw the fruit of his labors you know it's not it's not his harvest anyway you know my, my, my salvation is Jesus harvest but he was part of the the crew that worked this field you know pointing to myself he's part of the crew that worked this field and he passed away before he ever saw that the work that he was doing in my life took root and um and I went way stupid you know, in my life, but um, same thing with Phil Parker. He, uh, he watered the seed, and he hasn't got to see where I'm at now. And I'm still not where I need to be. I still, as Paul said, I still have not obtained you know, where I need to be, but I'm striving. I'm going in that direction. And um, I've said it so many times, and I'll say it again on this podcast, is that most men go to their grave and never know. Uh, why they're on the face of this earth and I know without a shadow of a doubt without one thought of why God's got me here and it's for the motorcycle community um, not for the club the club is just a, a tool that he's given me to use but I know without a shadow of a doubt who he's called me to and um, I have seen so many God moments with these people that are one percenters that you know are the hardest of the hard and the baddest of the baddest and uh, God is just blessed me with being able to see true examples from the books of Acts you know when it talks about the Holy Spirit falling upon people and it just yeah I can't get enough of it I can't wait to get into eternity and see what it's going to be like we're living in eternity now but I can't wait to get into heaven to see what it's going to be like because I'm just blown away with what I'm seeing now here on earth so you've made some I've told the story in my own testimony and when James was on um when a mutual friend of ours who was a a president of a club here in Kansas mm-hmm. was getting baptized. And then James was there and you said, are you you next? And he said what he said. Did you know back in the time when you were just having Bible studies in your house? Or did you did you ever, of course you didn't know, did you, would you even think that you would be where you're at now? Like in with the way God is using you to speak to the people you speak to now one percenters outlaw motorcycle clubs across the midwest talking to people like is this something you'd ever imagine no never i uh god has just blessed me he's blessed me more than i deserve i mean Good to see people's lives change, salvations. He's used me to preach, which I, if you'd have told me way back when I was living in the dot and doing what I was doing, um, that I'd be standing on a stage preaching to churches. No. Yeah, I preached in Payola, I preached in Olathe, I preached in uh, Drexel. No. Um, 
you know, when we first started coming around to this club thing, we went to a, a place that used to be called the Red Eye over in KCK, a bar, yeah. and we went over there for a for an A-bait meeting just to let them know who we were and what we were doing. And um, one of the guys that was with the club then, we walked in and introduced myself, and he got close to one of my guys. He goes, that poncho from the dot? And my club brother said, yeah, it is. And that guy got up and he walked to the other side of the room and said, I don't want to be anywhere near him. And when I heard that, it cut me to the core. Because there's stuff that I've done. I can't close my eyes tight enough to make it go away. But as I've shared in Bible study before, um, that's a blessing from God, memories. And to the motorcycle community, you know, you never focus on the rearview mirror. It's important to know where where you've been, but that's not where you're going. And so, uh, you know, if you constantly focus on the rearview mirror, what are you going to do? You're going to crash. And so, as I remember my past, I know that I don't ever want to be that person again. And uh, I know that I'm forgiven for it. And so I keep my eyes on, on the horizon. I keep my eyes focused on Jesus. And I thank him that he's given me memories that I don't ever want to relive. Um, I know I'm forgiven for him. But I look back at that person, that somebody that knows me from the dot, doesn't want to be around me. And he uses me to preach. He uses me to lead a Bible study. Um, I'm just blown away. I, I, I don't understand it, and I take no credit for none of it because there's nothing in me that's worthy of what I've been able to experience, what I've been able to see. We was in a clubhouse over in Kansas City, and there was eight of them and two of us were in a locked room, and you know, they told if we come back, they're going to pound our face. And uh, these guys were legit, and that's what they do. And I remember telling one of my club brothers, we have to go back because if we don't, they might go to hell. So we went back, and if looks could kill, we'd been dead seven times over. And um, we just kept talking about Jesus and who we were and what we were about, what we were trying to do. And um, that was one of my experiences that I'll never forget, is that um, I truly saw the Holy Spirit come in that room and fall upon these men because their faces were so hard and you've been around enough, right, that you know when somebody's ready to throw hands. Right. And uh, it's like, it's about ready to get legit. And then their their hearts were softened. Their eyes changed. You know, the eyes are a window to the soul, and I could see something different. And, and the one that was in charge, you know, looked at me, and he said, all right, let's see what you do. I got a, I got a brother that just died. You do his funeral. I'm like, bet. Wow. <laughs> so we went from being in there... Um, to where they're wanting to pound our face and telling us not to come back to where we did their did their fallen brother's funeral. And uh, even when we went downstairs in their clubhouse, um, the one that was mean mugging me, um, we sat down and we just talked like we was friends forever. And um, 
one of the other guys that told me I was going to do his club brother's funeral. And the last time I saw him was at a, a bike show they had. And uh, when I went to shake his hand, I went to stick my hand out and he gave me his back. And in the club world, that's like total disrespect. And since that time, I've now been able to bury a couple of his club brothers and I actually officiated his daughter's wedding. And wow. so again, there's just so much in all of that. And, and I promised the Lord, and this is what I was talking about earlier that I'm bring full circle, is that what he used from my past has given me the boldness of today is that I would not back down from a fight. There was a time I took every beat and then there was a time that I'd give them and I wouldn't walk away from a fight. And so that boldness, I uh, kind of made a promise to the Lord. It's like, Lord, you put me in a situation, I'm going to give a gospel message every time, um, regardless. And I remember leaving downtown Kansas mm -hmm. City and uh, I remember leaving downtown Kansas City and I thought, man, maybe four or five bikes, you know, a few of them. Oh, man, there must have been close to 100 motorcycles. And I was like, Lord, are you serious right now? And we rolled through uh, the River Market, got on to I-35 because the funeral was going to take place over in uh, Shawnee. And as I'm sitting behind all these guys, I'm literally having this conversation. Thinking, Seriously, Lord. Seriously. Because <laughs> I already had my message worked up and everything. And, uh, and then finally I was like, all right, I'll do it. And so we got there, um, our wives uh, for our club prepared all of the stuff for the, uh, the celebration of life and the family didn't have a whole lot of money so we provided pretty much everything. And uh, we got there and I gave a gospel message, um, even to the point of salvation at the end. <clears throat> and this one guy that uh, I've grown to love, <clears throat> excuse me, Got to get a drink of water and get dry. <laughs> Had his sunglasses on. <clears throat> if you can picture that. And the whole time he's just staring at me, mean mugging me through his sunglasses as I'm giving this gospel message. And um, I spent time with the family. And I, I've now officiated so many funerals doing this ministry that I can't even count. And every time I don't want to do it, um, and just like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know, sometimes you see somebody up there giving a message and it's the same message every time. And whenever somebody asks me to do that, I was like, I'll do it on one condition. And that is that I get to get to know the family first, because I want to do something that will be respectful for the one that's gone. And so I got to know who this guy was. I gave a message and it resounded with them. And this guy that was mean mugging me the whole time after I'm done, he walked over and got right up in my face and he pulled his sunglasses down and said, not bad, not bad. Pushed your sunglasses back up and walked away. And I'm like, okay, God, okay. And um, same thing happened out west whenever we met with those guys. Um, we'd been going around there forever. We were supposed to have gotten an invite. The person that gave our invite uh, forgot to tell the person in charge. And so we walked into their clubhouse. And since I'm hard of hearing, I've gotten pretty decent at reading lips, and I looked across there and I saw this guy that said, what the are you doing in my clubhouse? And I was like, oh, this is not good. And so uh, we spent a lot of time in that clubhouse um, and always got the back, always, you know, nobody ever really wanted to talk to us, but they didn't tell us to completely go away. Um, and we decided we wanted to do an event out west, and so we went behind closed doors. There's uh, me and Tango and uh, three or four of them 
same scenario as uh, one of their people that was in charge at their time, their P, uh, bowled up on the table and kind of got in my face. And I didn't even realize I did it, but I bowled up on him, got back in his face, and uh, basically told him, he just, basically what he told me, he said, there's a lot of colors out there, go F and pick one. So meaning, you know, we're trying to do what we do color-wise, you understand that, right? right? And I told him, you know what, I'm not here about the colors. I know what my call is on life, and it's to share Jesus Christ with everybody I come in contact. And as soon as I did that, I, again, my life at this trucking company, 22 years as a VP, I learned to read people. And his body language went from bowled up in front of me to hands back behind his head, and he's leaning back in his chair. And I'm like, huh, okay, I got you. And so I just started having a whole conversation about it, and since then... Um, this person is somebody supposed to be an atheist and I've talked to him about Jesus and I'm talking about salvation and I now know why he's mad at God and um, I've there, there's so many God stories in all of this and I'm just blown away what God can do and so um, if whoever is listening to this message I guess the thing that you need to take away is that God's got a plan for everybody's life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it talks about it. For I know the plans that I have for you is to prosper you and not to cause you harm. And so he's got a job for everybody to do. You're not supposed to be a pew sitter. That's the enemy's way of saying, oh, you're being a Christian. You're going to church every Sunday. No. It's time to uh, quit being a sissy Christian and step up and get you some because that's what we're called to do. And God, as long as you, as long as you become obedient, will give you opportunities. And um, they're just out there waiting for believers to truly believe everything that's written in Scripture. And um, I believe it all. I, I, I've seen things that I never thought I would see. I've experienced things I never thought that I experienced, and I'm sold out to the point of death. I want to I want to fill in a, a few of the blanks for our listeners that don't really know the motorcycle community. Um, the organization that you belong to, you ride, you have nationals, you and, and when I say you ride, you ride hard. You put on a lot of miles. Your whole your whole club does across. I don't know how many states in in the U.S. across several countries. You're legit. It's not. Just some guys who get together and throw on cuts and go do your thing. This is 100% legit motorcycle club. Right. And you and everybody that's in this in this club are believers in Christ and and are disciples for Christ. And this club that Poncho's that he's a part of goes around to. All these, all the ones you see on Gangland on TV, on all your Sons of Anarchy type motorcycle clubs, these are who they disciple to. And it doesn't matter what colors those guys wear, Poncho and his brothers will disciple to them. And they will love them and they will pray with them and they will help them. And they'll do whatever they can to just show God's love to everyone across the board. Amen. Only, only thing I want to throw out there is that just because you've used the word and there's a club out there with that word in their name, <clears throat> um, so I'm going to give one plug for the club, our club, and that is Soldiers for Jesus Motorcycle Club, because there is a club out there called Disciples. Okay, yeah. That is not us at all. We're completely different, um, and I'll just leave that at that. They, I'll just leave that at that. And so... The reason I say I'll give one plug for the club is because it's not about the club. Nothing is about 
anything but Jesus. If it's about anything other than that, there's a problem. If your church is about your pastor, there's a problem. If your life is about your career, there's a problem. If your life is about a club, there's a problem. So um, I'm proud to wear the colors that I have on, but it ain't about the club. It's about Jesus. Whenever I stand before him on Judgment Day, I'm not going to be standing in a cut with the president bar on. I'm going to be standing covered in the blood of Jesus. And uh, that's all that matters. So that's the only reason why I haven't really said a whole lot about the club is because it's not about the club. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus. So, And the way, just some examples, one of my favorite stories is a guy who, he did go by the nickname Stoplight. Poncho's on his motorcycle, stopped at a stoplight. And there's a, little does he know, there's a man driving down the road in his pickup truck with grandkids in the truck with him. Yep. And if I remember the story right, life has been a little bit hard for this man at this at this moment. And he's praying to God, give me a sign. Like, I, I need a sign. I need, he was, he was a believer. And at one point, his strength was, faith was very strong. And he had kind of went away from it at this time. Right. Um. He says, he's praying as he's driving down Metcalf, and he says, God, just give me a sign. And he stops at a stoplight, and he looks over, and there's Poncho in his colors, and since you said the name, Soldiers for Jesus, right there in bright letters on your back. And he says, he said, now I know there's an interaction there between you two. What happens next? So I've got my, it's, I was going a direction I hadn't planned on going home, and I was about to turn to go away in Norman, going, ah, I'll just go this other way. So I went, I'm sitting at the stoplight over in uh, Olathe, and uh, got my helmet on, listening to my tunes, and I kept hearing something, I'm like, what in the heck? And I listened to my music, and my bike is loud, and I look over, and it's this guy in a pickup truck, and he's pointing, and I'm like, hang on, hang on. So I turn my music down and lift my shield up. I'm like, what? He's like, is that a legit club? I'm like, what? He says, it's your patch. Is that a legit club? I was like, yeah. How do I find out more? So I threw my kickstand down, put it in neutral, got my card, and I said, Bible study, Tuesday, 6 o'clock, send me a text and I'll give you directions. And got on my bike and rolled. And he did what he said he was going to do is he sent me a text and I did what I said I was going to do and give him the directions and now he's actually part of our chapter and goes by the name of Moray so yeah I'd, I'd love that story just because yeah. there's there's several stories of people that have met you in just some of the craziest ways you know and and like you like you said just the motorcycle club is just one way to open up conversation to start a dialogue and then it turns to Jesus and that's how you and I met. Was I seen your motorcycle? I was working yep. um, as, as a mobile mechanic. Went to the facility you were working, and was like, "Hey, whose bike is that? That's a cool bike." Hey, you like Harley's? I like Harley's. Oh, you're in a club, you know? And that <laughs> led to that, yeah. yeah. And so, and and that there's so many stories of the way Poncho meets these people, in just the most random ways. God puts you exactly where you need to be, to either plant the seed or the water or or whatever it is and I love hearing those stories well I think if I was to say anything to anybody listening is it's um, your life has your life has happened for a reason and uh, 
if you just talk long enough, you'll find that the people that come in your life, you have a connection with. You might not think it, but you do. And uh, I now realize that. And so um, God's given me the gift of gab. And so I use that. And um, before, I always had a way of working in my worldly things into conversations. And so now, if you're around me long enough, you'll find out that I work Jesus into the conversation. Um, and, and it might be something as simple as, uh, you know, have a blessed day. In fact, uh, the club out West, that's what got me started with a, a guy, um, with this, this diamond club out West that I actually officiated one of their guys he's a, a two decade member, um, officiated his wedding. And it's cause we walked in their clubhouse and he just had that look on his face all scowled and uh, everybody had been talking to him shaking hands with him because out of respect you know because he's had a position and uh, I said hey how's it going oh, it's alright how are you and I was like I'm blessed and as soon as he, I said that he stopped and he goes I talked to you I like absolutely he said I'm round back I was like absolutely and so as you know in the club world that doesn't happen wherever you go especially a P that somebody's go with you and right. I told him I was like no this is I told my essay at that time just stay I got to go have this conversation went back and uh, shared Jesus with him and um, he's now I know he's going to be in heaven with me when I get there um, so I guess if I was to say anything is that I've just learned to do what I did before and be sold out and talk about what I'm passionate about you know whether it's before with drugs or bikes or women or the gym I, I always work that into a conversation um I am like sold out for Christ and I'll work that into every conversation I got. And that's how that comes about. So when you talked about having people in your your connections, I had that moment today, you know, even as a female, I've been in the motorcycle community. My dad has been around bikes and then, you know, I told you that's how we met was working at Rawhide Harley. And today, I feel like today was the first time that we have rode together with a group of motorcycle riders that were all followers. Yeah. And that's that's never happened for me. And it was just like, I think I had tears in my helmet today because, <laughs> you know, I'm listening to worship music as we're riding, going to the church and then to go out to eat. And at that moment, I like, I feel like just, everything kind of bubbled in and I was like oh my gosh we're at, for the first time for me I'm in a motorcycle community that we, we love riding together but we're riding with somebody that or with a group of people followers and that's it was pretty cool it and is a, it is a blessing I mean we talk about that all the time is that you know um I think that we are blessed above all because there's a lot of people that got a lot of calls on their life but how cool is it that I've been called to a ministry to do what I love, ride motorcycles, and the most important thing is what I love even more than that is talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. You can't get no better than that, yeah. right? You get to do right. both every day. Yeah, every yeah. day. Yeah. You, you just can't get any better than that, and so that's that's uh, that's good. Yeah. I like that. So yeah. I appreciate you inviting us. It was it meant a lot. It was cool. There'll be more. Yeah. Uh, coming to a church near you. <laughs> we like doing we like doing church crashes. Yeah, it was fun. So this, I think that's a pretty good segue to the Hokahe. 
Yeah, um, okay. Why don't you tell us about what it is and and all that stuff you've already kind of explained. You did 21 states in 11 days. Yeah, 21 or 22, I lost complete count. Uh, the Hokahe is in its 10th or 12th year. Um, started out as an old school uh, motorcycle race. And um, they had a few people die on the first one and they realized this is not good. Uh, we will be liable. And so it become a challenge instead of a race, but still almost every year somebody dies. It just happens, just happens. Um, so that being said, um, the challenge now is that you get to ride for a charity of your choice. And, um, and then part of the money that the Hokahe raises um, as you pay your dues and such to do this motorcycle challenge is to uh, support the Indian culture that the gentleman that started it uh, at what was passionate for his heart. And that was, you know, people on the reservation, people of the of the Indian culture. And his name was Red Cloud. I can't remember. I think it was Jim, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, if there's anybody out there from the Hokahe listening, uh, sorry that I don't have all the details like you might. But again, as you heard earlier, my main focus is Jesus Christ. So yeah, there you go. Um, so the Hokahe though was an important part of my life uh, because I went on this challenge. And God continues to do things in my life. And when I think that I got um, this one issue worked out, he comes back and says, eh, not quite. Let me show you some things that we still got to work on. Um, so the Hokahe, 12 years. Um, it's an old school challenge. It is um, by handwritten instructions, so you cannot use GPS. You have to sleep within proximity of your motorcycle, and it's uh, roughly 10,000 miles. The goal is to make it in roughly 10 days, and uh, they keep the finish line open, I think, a week or two after the time frame of when you actually are supposed to be there. Um, but again, it's not a race, it's a challenge, even though everybody treats it like a race because that's who we that's are. That's what we do. That's what <laughs> we do. And um, so I happen, we do a lot with uh, Rawhide Harley. Uh, they have blessed us in many ways, not that we're not fans of all the other Harley Davidson dealerships, but this dealership has stepped up and realized what we do and they see the, um, the eternal benefit of what we do. And so. They were going to be one of the sponsors for, for the Hokahe, a stop, if you would have it. Um, and I was talking to the general manager, and uh, he says, hey, man, you ever heard of the Hokahe? And I'm, no, never heard of it. So he explained it to me, told me about it, and he said, I'd really like to sponsor somebody that uh, would go on this that I know would complete it. And I was like, huh. He said, you interested? And I said, I don't know. Let me pray about it. So we were doing an event at their dealership whenever I heard about it, and I went out and told my wife, she says, you're going to do it. I was like, I said, I was going to pray about it. She said, no, you're not. You're going to do it. And so uh, she was right. Um, and the Hokahe, just for you guys that are out there, I don't know uh, any Indian language, but I am told that the Hokahe, what it was is when um, – Custard at the last stand was having his battle with Crazy Horse, if I got my history right, and I might be wrong, so if you're out there listening to history buff, sorry, but um, it was at that battle, and Hokahe means it's a good day to die, and that was supposedly what Crazy Horse said before he went into the battle of Little Bighorn is, Hokahe, 
it's a good day to die. Um, and before I get to the rest of this story, I just want to say that it is a good day to die on one condition, and that's if you know where you're going when you die. And uh, there's a saying where I heard it, I don't know, but I live by it as you cannot truly be prepared to live until you're prepared to die. And I look backwards at my life, I was never prepared to die. Um, I lived like crazy, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't prepare my outcome where I was going to end up. And I think that's the way most of us are today. We have 401ks, we have life insurance plans, we have all of these things figured out, and uh, nobody truly gives enough time to their eternity where they're going to spend eternity. And so, yeah, Hokahei is only Hokahei if you know where you're going. So, 10,000 miles, 10 days, uh, 21, 22 states. Um, started out in Sturgis, ended in uh, uh Spearfish somewhere up in that area, so basically the the whole South Dakota area again, and um, yeah. So what I learned is that, as I shared earlier, uh, when we were I think offline, is that the Hokahei will show you exactly who you are and who you are not, and um, there's so many things that I. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my, I guess, testimony, because it's part of my testimony at church. I'm going to be uh, preaching more in detail about all the things that I learned on the Hokahei. Uh, but I was sitting in a gas station in Utah when I had a brother um, speak into me, and, and I was just, I was warm slick. So I, I spent somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 18 to 20 hours sitting in the saddle of my bike every day for 11 days straight. And uh, I rode in extreme heat, I rode in extreme rain, I got cold, I got wet, I got sick, I got hit by an antelope at 85 miles an hour in <laughs> South Dakota. Um, I mean, I think I've experienced a little bit of everything. Um, but the game changer for me, and there's so many so many things that I, I learned, and again, I don't wanna, I don't want to go into all that detail because it's going to come out in a message. So um, if you're listening to the podcast, you can keep up with Jared, and he'll tell you when I'm going to be preaching this sermon at a at my home church, which is Living Proof in Paola. Um, you can come down and hear it. But um, the thing that I learned is uh, I was laying in the mountains after I got wet for two days straight. And some of the times when I slept, um, I literally would just lay down on the bike. I would lean forward and uh, it was raining so hard I didn't want to get all my gear out so I just put the kickstand down, shut the bike off, left my helmet on and leaned forward until I couldn't handle the rain anymore I wake up and so it wasn't even a full sleep it was you know in between um, waking up, hearing the thunder, all that and uh, so I've been wet for two days straight laying in the mountains um, I can't even tell you what state it was in, it was up north but uh, I was laying there and I was contemplating in my head how I could be okay with it with quitting and um, you know how when you get when you're when you're you feel so bad and your head hurts so much and you're just shaking and shivering and you can't get cold the only place you want to be is home in bed and I'm laying underneath a tarp right next to my motorcycle and the wind blowing up my backside and uh, I'm like this is stupid this is stupid why am I here and I uh, I remember thinking, oh, my club brothers will be okay. I'll explain it to them, and you know, I can who I can get to come get my my bike and haul it home for me. And I know my wife will love me regardless. And and then I had this um, this thought that come through my brain, and uh, it was my boys. You know, I've got seven boys, and um, 
I just heard them saying, Dad almost made it. And I realized I'm not an almost. And I realized my God's not an almost. And it was literally dark outside, probably 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I got up, blew my snot rockets out, um, packed up my tarp. And I was like, I'm going to finish this one way or the other. And I rode um, out of the mountains. And the next day, I got over into Utah someplace, I think is where I was at. And um, I remember seeing and watching the sunrise. That's the other thing I guess i got to share. It's for those 11 days, I saw every sunset and I saw every sunrise. And I realized how much we actually miss by going through life and not stopping and seeing the gifts that God's given us. Um, so anyhow, got up, uh, decided I wasn't a quitter, and I saw sunrise the next day, and I thought, man, um, Corinthians came to mind as I was uh, was writing. I, I've got so much scripture stuck in my head about all of these different things that God put on my heart. That's why I've got to share this this testimony that He's given me. Is that it talks about the that we're supposed to take captive all of, all of our thoughts is that we walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. That so we have weapons of warfare that are God's, right? And uh, we're supposed to take captive every thought. And I could have continued to lay there and thought how stupid this was and why it was okay to give up and I'd be okay and it'd be justifiable. Um, but I took those thoughts captive and I laid them at the foot of the cross and I got up and I rode to the next morning and I saw a beautiful sunrise. I thought, wow, you know, if I'd, if I'd have quit, I wouldn't have seen the sunrise, not in the same way, right? And uh, that was impressed upon me that that's our life is that sometimes there's so many people that are speaking into our life, they're talking all this trash and nonsense, and uh, you need to take all that nonsense that's being spoken into you by the world and lay it at the foot of the cross and listen to him. Um, because he's got a plan for your life, and he is not an almost God, and you're not an almost. He's, he's the one that created you, and he created you for a purpose. And uh, even though this is just some silly motorcycle challenge, he had a purpose for me to finish, and now I know why it was. Um, Fast forward to, I think it was the next day, maybe even the same day, I lost so much train. I thought I, I actually had sleep deprivation like you would not believe. But um, I remember sitting in this gas station and one of these brothers of mine spoke into me and uh, I was talking about the whole situation, you know, that um, I was going to quit, but I'm not, you know, and all these other things. And I said, I just don't understand some of this that I'm going through. And there's so much that I'm leaving out of this picture. Come, come to listen to the message and you'll hear the rest of it. But um, he said, brother, you're not broke. God's got to break you. And I remember sitting in this gas station in Utah as people were walking in and out of this convenience store and crying my eyes out and them looking at me like there was something wrong with me. And there was. I realized even though I'd come all these places and I'd done all these things for the Lord, I was still prideful. And uh, I confessed that to the Lord and I realized, you know, some of the some of the examples that come roaring to my mind is, you know, is that everybody wants to realize or, or talk about the you know, the Bible story about how uh, you know righteous Job was, but when you got right down to it, he still had some pride and that's what God had to say, Where were you when I did this? And where were you when I did that? And I realized that uh, I was prideful and I still needed to be broken. And um, he wasn't going to be able to completely use me until he 
broke me. And the scripture that came into my heart was in, was in Psalms, and it says that he is, he is near the broken and contrite heart. And it's because when you have nothing else but him, that's when he can do something with you. And so at that point, I confessed that to him, that I was still prideful and that I needed to give that up. And uh, I wanted to be everything that he wanted me to be. And again, he's just, he has shown me so much, even on the rest of the ride, there are so many examples that I had that I've got scripture applied to every one of these examples. And um, I guess I'll steal a little bit of my own thunder and just give one example that um, was close to the end of the ride, right before this antelope hit me in, uh, in Wyoming, Wyoming or South Dakota, wherever it was, I can't remember, it was in Wyoming, it hit me in Wyoming. Um, the night before, like I said, I'd been wet. Um, the first half of the ride, I got baked in uh, Arizona and New Mexico, and was coming down to close to the end of the of the challenge. I think I had like two days left, maybe, and um, was laying in O'Reilly's parking lot. And I got to the point where uh, I wouldn't even get all my gear out. I just grabbed my tarp and I'd roll up like a burrito so I wouldn't have dew on me the next day and get a couple hours of sleep, get back up, get on the bike and go. And so I did that and I got up. It's still dark. It's early morning. I don't know, maybe two, three o'clock in the morning. And you know, in the summer times you can see well in the distance and you can see lightning and you can say, oh man, that's a big storm. And I could see that. And I was like, man, Lord, I hope that's not where I'm going. And again, all you've got is handwritten instructions and so it's line by line you never know where you're going it's just this line follow it to the end and then you go to the next line follow that to the end and there's a whole gospel message in that as well but packed up my uh my tarp got on my motorcycle and i started heading in the direction that my my instructions are telling me to go and as i'm riding it starts getting very clear i'm riding into this storm and uh I've already had my moment of uh, being wet before. I've had so many other God experiences that I haven't even begun to share yet. Um, but I'd been cold, I'd been wet, I'd wanted to quit, and I'm still not feeling the best in the world. And uh, I was having this conversation with God. It's like, Lord, you know I've been wet. You know that I was sick. Like, please, I don't want to get wet again. And I kept riding, and I kept riding, following my directions. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna get wet. And so as it summer storm, you know, the lightning hits and you can see these are huge wall clouds. And uh, I'm like, man, God, are you serious? Are you serious right now? And I'm literally talking like this in my helmet. I got my music playing and everything. And, um, and finally I came to the point, and again, it was at the end of myself, it's like, all right, You've shown me so many times what you can do. Because this whole Hokahe challenge, time after time after time, he has shown me if I would just trust him, he'll take care of me. And he did. I mean, from being around druggies that I didn't get mugged, sleeping next to a dumpster. There's so many stories that I'm, I'm not going to share here. But he just showed me time and time and again, I got you. I got your six. I got you. And so I'm um, getting closer to the storm, and uh, finally I was like, all right, God, you want me to get wet? 
I'll get wet. Let's do it. And I literally said this in my helmet. Let's do it. I crank my worship music worship music on and uh, louder, and I'm just cranking, just jamming. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. And all of a sudden, I have my clear shield on because it's 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and rain just starts hitting me. And uh, I'm like, cool. We're going to get wet. I'm cool with that. And I'm just jamming away and lightning everywhere, and it's just started to pour. And all of a sudden, the road turns to the right. And I go for maybe, I don't know, quarter of a mile, and then it banks back to the left. And now I'm going on a straight line. And as soon as that happened, the rain stopped on the road that I was on. But as the lightning was still striking on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side, it was pouring rain. Literally, every time I could see the wall cloud, how tall they were on both sides, and the rain pouring on each side of the road, but I was on a highway that was dry. The Holy Spirit spoke to me right then, and I didn't hear anything audible, but what was spoken to my heart was, do you realize what my people were thinking as they walked through the river and the ocean that I parted for them, right? He, he did it twice. We we read about that in Scripture, you know, that as, as Moses parted the seas, they walked through, and I thought, this is what they experienced. How awesome is our God, and how blessed am I that I got to experience that. And I literally just thought that as I was riding through this. It's like, I don't deserve to see this. And God is just says, all those stories I told you with the one percenters, he's just shown up time and time again. And so my point that I'm trying to make with everybody that's listening is that there are still acts of God that are happening all around us. We just choose not to see them. And we choose not to realize. And uh, we don't realize sometimes because we don't, we don't have our, our faithful eyes open. We're looking through the, the lens of the world. And the world's telling you God's not real, but he is. And um, right after that, that, that day when the sun come up is when I had an antelope hit me at 85 miles an hour. <laughs> I thought, okay, this is the enemy trying to take me out. And it, and it didn't happen. I'm still here to tell the story of what God's done in my life. And so... I guess the takeaway from that is that each and every one of us is going to go through a storm, um, and maybe it's not going to be a storm like this, but it's going to be a storm of addiction, a storm of relationship, a storm of uh, depression, and uh, God just wants you to trust him in the middle of it. And I guess the other takeaway from that was is that I don't think that would have happened until I got to the point where I was like, okay, you want me to get wet? I'll get wet. And that's when he said, that's all I want you to do. And it's the same thing with, you know, we're, we're going through Genesis now in our Bible study, right? We're getting ready to come up on that point when, when he asked Abraham, he's like, I gave you a son. Are you willing to give him back? And he's like, yep. All the way to the point where he raised up his knife and was ready to stab him, right? And so uh, it takes faith. And we've had that conversation before. The faith isn't a noun, it's a verb. you got to live it. You can't just talk it. So... So I finished the whole day. It took me 11 days instead of 10. I'm from Wyandotte County, so I'm a little bit slow. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't 10,000 miles. It's 10,374 because I got lost a couple times. And um, it was good. I'm, I'm thankful that I did it. Um, and it still speaks in my life. My, my son, uh, Danny, was down at a, a bike event down in Oklahoma, almost to Texas. And he called me. 
and his wife's uh, clutch had gone out on the bike and then she smoked it and, and uh, he's like, hey dad, can you come get me? And this is right after work. It was on, a, I think it was on a Friday. And uh, I was like, yeah. He's like, I need to be out here about a certain time. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll come down. And uh, so I'd left work, went home, got the trailer and I got off 4.30 or so. And so he sent me a message back. said, you sure you're gonna be able to make it? You're gonna, you know, cause it's, you know, close to six, seven hours down there. So you sure you're gonna be able to make it? And you can drive straight through? And I just replied back, okay, hey. <laughs> and uh, he sent me a thumbs up and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, the, the point of that, I guess, again, is that it showed me is that I can overcome through Christ, as it talks about in, in uh, um, oh, yeah, yeah, Philippians 4. Philippians, yeah. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, God got me through the hook. And so I have that, I have that attitude now is that if I made it through that, I can make it through about anything. I'm good. So Amen. It's a good day to die. Amen. Yeah. So good. Well, everybody, if you want to hear the other incredible stories, and I've heard a few of them, we will we will get you hooked up. We will tell you where to find Poncho when he's uh, when he's preaching. It'll be um, in Paola at his church, and he will give me the details and reach out to me if you want. Um, if you want to go down there and experience it, then I can pass them on to you. Uh, also, Poncho leads a Bible study that on the thread on Telegram, there's 67 people, if I remember right, 67 on that thread. That's how many people come to this Bible study. On any given night, it could be anywhere from 30, 30 to 45, you know, anywhere in there, but 67 total. And it may sound like that's too much, but it's not. It's it's such an awesome Bible study, and it's so much great uh, conversation and breaking down of, of Scripture and biblical stories and stuff, but... Reach out. I will tell you where to go, when to be there, all that stuff, if you're interested in that Bible study, too. Um, Poncho, you've been just instrumental in saving my life and helping me get to where I'm at and my family and more than words can say. And there's so many more people out there like that. Um, We probably couldn't even count on all of our hands and toes here, Um, just the way God has used you and your club and the people in it. So... I appreciate you coming on here and sharing. I appreciate um, the invite. It's been it's been great, and I'm gonna get some of your club brothers on here as well. I've already awesome. been talking to them, get them in here as well, because I know they've got good stories and Amen. and they've got uh, more to share about their lives and God. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're gonna cut her off here, and I will see you next week. I will love you all, or I will love you. I do love you all. <laughs> And we will see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's Jennifer with the Almost Home Podcast. How amazing was that episode? Thank you again, everyone, for your love and support. We appreciate the feedback that we're getting with this podcast to share everyone's testimonies. Again, you can follow us on Facebook at the Almost Home Podcast, Instagram at the Almost Home Dot Podcast. You can also, again, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. If you've been listening to these episodes and you feel that it is on your heart to share your testimony, let us know. Reach out to Jared and I on Facebook or on Instagram and let us get you on our podcast schedule. We would love to help share how good God has changed your life. Thank you for listening. And again, we appreciate it and love you. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.